Cheers, y'all. Program known as Smoking and Tasting. It's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. This is, in fact, the world famous Smoking and Tasting. And we're up to show number 108. And we're brought to you by BB Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork and Fort Worth. BB Lemon and Washington. Didn't check in with BB last week. We were told. But they were shooting for the 14th of this month, today being the 7th. So um, a week from today is their target to be reopened in the dining room at, uh, at B&B. So you can go by and, uh, and grab Go by and actually get out and be a little bit social at 25% capacity. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I, I promised my wife I'm going to take her to dinner soon. Because some of the restaurants are reopened here in Houston, which is where our show is based. And we are uh, uh, in the chance to get their system down. Even that's not, is, uh, you know, it's one of the things. So, uh, anyway, Ian, welcome to the show. I did lose your, uh, your picture there. I assume you're adjusting something. Um, but also, welcome I am. to the show. Christian Olave. Christian, welcome. It's nice to have you. Hello, sir. How are you? I see beautiful beautiful sky behind you. It's a nice day in Houston. Yes. So it it is. I am on the balcony of my apartment, which is fairly high up. And we've had really good luck with the wind um, when we've done our our previous Skype shows. But it's supposed to be a little higher today. So I'll just, if it gets to where it's too noise, let me know and I'll readjust and go inside but of course when i go inside i can't enjoy a cigar and that's what we're that's what we're uh, looking forward to doing so um christian you are with the dalmore and with jura what is what is the name of your act of the actual company that distributes these um so there, there's a couple answers to 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 your question uh the, the company that i work for is uh white Magai, which is a uh, scotland-based uh, company with headquarters in uh, in glasgow uh, we own uh, several whiskey brands, and as you mentioned, uh, the Dalmore being one of them, Jura, also Federkern, Tamnabulin, uh, our blended scotch is uh, John Barr, uh, and we also make the Shackleton, which is a blended malt. Uh, those oh, yes. are the ones that, uh, that you can find here in the U.S. Uh, actually, uh, Tamnabulin, not available in the U.S., so let me correct myself. Okay. Uh, and, and then... Uh, we are distributed here uh, in the United States by Southern Glaciers in Texas. We have d- different distributors throughout okay. the, gotcha. the, the country. But so you, you don't work for the distributor in this case. You work for the larger company. I, I, I work for the distilleries. Correct. Got it. Got it. That makes yeah. sense. Well, um, I was just mentioning before we went on the air that... Uh, I've been enjoying some of the Dalmore lately. We, uh, we did a show that dealt with uh, uh, different cast finishes for mm-hmm. whiskey and uh, port finishes. Ian had uh, several different cherry cast finishes, but one of the port casts uh, that I had was yours, which, by the way, I'll just say now, 
delicious. Hello. It was wonderful. Well, thank you very much. So, we, we, yeah. we, we, we aim to please. <laughs> I have a... Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about the Dalmore. Go ahead, Ian. Uh, oh, no, no, it's okay. I was just going to say, I haven't had Dalmore in a little while, um, but the original cigar malt that was out, I think, in the, what, uh, 10 years ago or more? Uh, so th th there's mm -hmm. been a, a, a couple of uh, I I iterations of, uh, of uh, the Dalmore. The original came out sometime in the 90s. Uh, it was a little bit different than, uh, than uh, what's, uh, what's around today. If you'd like, I can actually you know, tell you a little bit about the differences uh, uh, now. Uh, well, but, let's no, let's let's bring that talking point up when we're actually tasting that. Yeah, but I but I was a big fan of it, and then I was really sad when it disappeared for a while. Yeah, but anyway, so I'm looking really really forward to this. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. This should be so, fun. So you um, you wanted to hear a little bit more about the the distillery? I understand. And and I want to get to that in just a moment. First of all, I just wanted to take care of a, a, a little bit of business here. Um, uh huh. In um. This is show number 180, and um, so we only missed, when the whole virus thing happened, we only missed one show, uh, and that means we're getting closer now to 200. Originally, 200 would have been the last week in August. Now, I believe, I'll have to go through the calendar again, but I believe it'll wind up being the first week of, the first Thursday in September. Um, our idea for the 200, of course, was to do the same thing that we did for show number 100, which was to invite everyone who'd ever been on the show to come, if they could, and join with us. I don't know how we're going to do that. With social distancing, I have no idea, because I have a feeling we're still going to be distancing then. So I'm just throwing it out there, Ian. If you have any ideas, um, start scratching your head about that, because we got to do something special for 200, and you know, it's going it's to be uh, uh, more of a challenge than we thought. We're just going to need a big outdoor area. We're going to need to uh, uh, paint off the ground like a checkerboard, and everyone has to stay in their own box. Right, and someone can maybe go from area to area for it. Yes, uh, but they'll wear a, a full quarantine suit. Yeah, with a full hazmat suit. That, that, that'll, be <laughs> that'll be the plan. All right, you know, maybe there's uh, you know, some of those bartending services Maybe some of them will have some of that uh, gear. Uh, we can hire right. one to uh, to uh, walk around and tour. So, uh, well, in, in any case, please know that we're working on it, and it's something that's going to be uh, pretty exciting. Ian, I see you've ordered a cigar. I want you because we're going to be tasting it with the cigar malt whiskey. And if there ever was a whiskey that was basically designed and engineered to go with the cigar, it would be that. So. Ian, pull that back a little. I can tell what it is, but it's a little out of focus there. Pull it back. I think we can see it a little better. Aha! That would be the H. Upman. Is that is that the governor? That's the Herman's Batch. The Herman's Batch. Very nice. Very mm -hmm. nice. The Herman's Batch. I haven't had this before. I don't know if you had this one yet. I have. And uh, it's quite delicious, as a matter of fact. Uh, I am uh, just past the initial okay. light on it, and it's absolutely fantastic so far. Uh, what I read on this, I, I figured it'd probably go pretty well with the cigar malt, although I think since the cigar malt, uh, it, due to its name, is inherently designed to go with cigars, I think that, uh, that uh, we'd have good luck with almost any cigar at that point. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. So I wanted to do something special. So I looked through my humidor, uh, cigars that I'd been uh, saving for a special occasion, and lo and behold, I found the perfect one. It was a cigar that you gave me, Ian, a while back, and it's been in my humidor for a long time. Um, it, it actually has two uses. You can either smoke the cigar, or you can use the tube as a sort of a billy club. Uh, <laughs> it, is the, uh, it, it is the Cohiba Edition Diamante. It's a 2013 special edition, and that's that, by far the biggest tubo cigar that I had to put in the humidor. In fact, I had to lay it kind of crossways in the humidor to get it to work. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but Ian, I believe you, I know you gave me this, so I'm assuming you had one of these as well, right? I did. I bought, I bought a three-pack of them. Okay. And so you got one, and I got one, and then a buddy of mine got one for his wedding. Ah, nice. Well, as you can see, that's a nice-sized cigar for a Cuba. So, um, uh, so I'll be excited to light this one up and, uh, and tell you guys tell you guys what we get. So, a um, uh, couple of things to talk about on the show today. We're also going to be uh, tasting a few beers. Uh, I've I've brought uh, something to the show that is uh, well, I have no idea what to expect. It's one of Carbach's special series, and as we all know, we give Carbach a bit of a hard time. Uh, because since they have been purchased by AB and uh, we just feel like some of their beers have not maintained what, what we wanted them to maintain. Uh, but uh, they also do have some beers that we really like. And so it'll be interesting what today's is like. Uh, and that puts them in the category of macrocraft. Uh, uh, macrocraft, yeah. Uh, today's beer is this, the Carbock Fun Series, number 18. And it's a high tide ale. And I just want to show it to you real quick because unlike almost every other carbox, this one's in a bottle. We're using carbox and can't. So uh, it's an ale brewed with passion fruit and spices and aged in tequila barrels. So we'll be trying that. And then I brought an old favorite. Not I'm pretty sure we might have done this on the show before, but it's been a long time. It's, uh, it's the five on order. I thought. If I could think of a perfect beer to go in this mix with the cigar malt and this uh, Diamante, uh, this might be it. So That is an uh, outstanding beer. Yeah, excited about those. What about yours, Ian? What will you be uh, sampling with us today? Well, my bottles are bigger than yours. Uh, well, I'm not surprised. See, I'm trying to save my bigger so, bottles for when you and I are back in the studio and we can share. So. <laughs> All I have left are bigger bottles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, today I brought the Tumble Root Brewery. Now, if you if you remember, this was the one that um, the one that was given to us, uh, uh, and this is a brewery in Arizona, or yeah, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Sorry, not oh, Arizona. Yeah. And so we tried. I, I tried one of their beers a couple weeks back, so I figured I'd bring out another one. And this is their this is their double uh, IPA, their Honey Double IPA from Tumble Root. So we're gonna try that today, and then I dug around in there, and again, I really all I really have is big bottles left. Um, and then I have the Deschutes Black Mirror. This is a barley wine, rich ale with notes of toffee and dried fruit. You know I'm gonna love that because it's a barley wine. So, yes, sir. Also, the rest of my day, I guess I'm not doing much. And then 
Because it's funny that you brought the Carbach. Yeah. My show beer happens to be their Coastal Conservation Ale. So, we're on the same page with the Carbach. The show beer, Chris, is what we often have. It's not one we're reviewing on the show or really giving any tasting notes on, but it's one that we use to just kind of start, get our palate going. And also because sometimes it takes a few moments to get to the drinking portion of the show, and quite frankly, we're thirsty. So, um, so it's a bit of a palate has, cleanser, too. I usually try a lighter beer. Every once in a while, you yes, need a, yes, a, a, nice, sure. a nice beer to, to get things going. I understand. <laughs> uh, so... So, uh, Christian, tell us about uh, the Dalmore, about this particular distillery. What I love about talking about Scotch uh, and, and talking about great distilleries is that they all seem to have an incredibly unique story. What is that story for the Dalmore? Well, the the Dalmore is a distillery that's been uh, in uh, in in its place in uh, in the Highlands of Scotland, just north of uh, Inverness, since 1839. Uh, the story of the of, of, of the family that uh, that founded the distillery, uh, um, really two two families, uh, the the Mathesons and and Mackenzie's, the, the Mackenzie story is part of the spiritual story of the Dalmora. And it all goes back to the year 1263, uh, when uh, Colin of Kintail, who was uh, a leader of Clan Mackenzie at the time, uh, actually saved King Alexander III from a charging stag. And in return, <laughs> the king allowed the Mackenzie family to display this beautiful, which I don't know if you guys can see, stag on every bottle yeah. of uh, the Dalmore. So that's how the, a lot of times people ask me, you know, how, how did you guys get the stag? And that's the, the story of the stag. Uh, and what is that made out of? Is that pewter on the front? Uh, on, on the actual bottle? Yes. Yes, pewter. Yeah, it's an absolute beautiful thing. And if you can pry one off without, without uh, uh, bending it up too much, it looks amazing right on the front of a cowboy hat. You know what's funny? Uh, many have tried. Few, few, few have succeeded. It, 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 when, when you're trying to pry it off, it has a tendency to want to break. Yeah. So, Ian, do not try until the whiskey is gone. That would be your number one rule. <laughs> right. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise you, got, you got a funky-looking bottle. No, it's a beautiful bottle. I absolutely love that. On there, and it's and it and it's you know it sticks up a bunch, so you can feel it. So it's not just a picture, it's not just a, oh, a no, decal. Yeah, it's it's a real deal thing on there. It's cool. It's a, it's a little sculpture clearly, on the bottle. Clearly, from the story, Christian, about how the stag and the family crest came to be, uh, clearly the Dalmore has been around for a few years. <laughs> how long has uh, the distillery been in operation? Since eighteen thirty nine. 1839. So, yeah. so we are we are celebrating, uh, uh, you know, two, 200 years. Yeah, we or we just wow. celebrated two, 200 years. Yeah, I mean, I'm oh, doing quick math in my Awesome. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, uh, we're looking forward to doing a little a little tasting here, and uh, I, I think in normally we we go to the beers first, and then and then go to the spirits. But in this case, since this is cigar malt. And we've got the cigars going. I think, I think we should open with the tasting of 
um, of the Delmar Cigar Mall if there's not a, an objection from you. Let me think about that for a second. Hell yes. Okay, good deal. <laughs> By the way, I am... I like your enthusiasm, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am experiencing a little up here. Ian, does it sound okay? Are you are you getting a lot of noise there? I'm not getting a lot of noise. Uh, I'm getting a little bit of glitchiness, but I think I can do it. It just makes you look a little like, uh, you remember Max Headroom? Yes, he was cool. I liked Max Headroom. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm showing my age. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's pour some cigar malt, gentlemen. I, I went and got some cigar malt earlier this week, and... Uh, Shared some with Ian, so just so you know, mm -hmm. I have not consumed that much of my bottle. I poured uh, poured some out for Ian. So, all right, have you have you have you guys? Uh, well, you know, you 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 do this quite often. I'm sure that you you've been to a to a whiskey tasting here and there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but as a matter for, of fact, for, Christian, I want to say we met you at the Houston Whiskey Social. Is that right? That is correct. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's a very that's a sort of a mega whiskey tasting. But a, we've been a mega a whiskey were, tasting. Yeah. But we've been to a few that were you know that were brand oriented as well, and mm -hmm. uh, and where you get to kind of you know taste across the different expressions, yeah. and uh, so if what you're saying is you want to invite us to one um, once things get a little bit back to normal, uh, one one things. One, when things get back to normal, you you will be on the first row at my first uh, uh, official post quarantine tasting. How's that, guys? Awesome, awesome, awesome. awesome. So I'm listen, taking you so up on that. You should. So for your for your audience that perhaps has you know maybe people you know have more experience going going to wine tastings and whatnot you know and a whiskey tasting is uh it's it's not that different you know the first things you want to do is you know you kind of want to take a look at what you're about to to drink you know it uh, it gives you an idea uh, especially you know uh, it's not so much about looking at the color but looking at the you know what in a wine uh, tasting you would call the the the, the legs. The legs, uh, you know, it's the same idea, and it and it actually, I find it to be very informative as to alcohol content. Uh, you know, when uh, when uh, when things are a little bit higher proof, like uh, this cigar malt that comes in at uh, forty four percent. You know, uh, th those uh, those tears are, uh, or legs are gonna tend to you know s stick a lot more to the glass. See if we can get people to see that out there. Yeah. Yeah, right there. So, yeah, by the way, yeah. uh, if, you're, if you're watching at home, and perhaps for you guys too, uh, if you want to look like you're a real, you know, Scotch whiskey professional, uh, as you're looking at your 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 whiskey glass, my my advice. I'm sorry. Is, you mean like you mean like Chris Hart? Is that is that what you mean? It's, it's, when you like, say Scotch like, whiskey like, professional or whiskey expert? Like He's our good friend Christopher Hart, would be, he he would be somebody uh, that would come to mind. Yeah, uh, and 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 what yeah. you want to do is uh, yeah. you know you give you give it a little swirl. But very important, this is uh, this is the professional touch. You have to hold your chin like so. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, see, amateur, and then professional. It makes a world of difference. You should see me smoke a pipe. Yeah, the the whole thing where I point and act like I'm gonna say something and then I don't. Yeah, I got that down. <laughs> so, so Christian, the cigar malt. Um, um, 
how exactly it, it, it can't just be an accident. It had to be a plan to uh, try to distill something that would be, you know, from its design, um, uh, planned to be uh, something that would pair well with cigars. Is that right? This wasn't just a happy accident, right? This was not just a happy accident. So uh, Richard Patterson, who is the uh, master distiller and blender at uh, the Dalmore, uh, happens to be an avid cigar smoker. Okay. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, I was uh, on a conference call with uh, with Richard uh, just before you guys, and uh, you know we actually talked quite a bit about uh, uh, cigar mold. But you know, I always joke that that uh, that it, you know you can think of cigar mold as you know Richard's personal stash. He created something that he could pair with his. He's a big fan of Davidoff's, for example. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, but, you know, obviously you don't need to, you know, have a Davidoff. As a matter of fact, it's, it's lovely without a cigar, too. Uh, you know, it's uh, obviously it is a, a whiskey, as you mentioned, designed to be enjoyed with a cigar, but it certainly does not need a cigar to be enjoyed. It actually pairs quite well with desserts. Uh, and uh, the, the way that, uh, you know, the cigar malt, sort of evolved into what we call today the cigar mold we serve and this this is going to answer your earlier question ian uh originally the 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 original cigar mold back from the the, the 90s or so was a, uh, a a a whiskey that was finessed in about 30 percent uh, matusalem oloroso sherry Matusalem Oloroso Sherry is a 30-year-old sherry produced by Gonzalez Bias in Jerez de la Frontera in, uh, in Spain. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cream sherry. It's very, very sweet. And the rest of it was uh, in, uh, in bourbon barrels. Uh, then there was something, and I don't know if you guys uh, ever had a chance to enjoy the Grand Reserva, uh, which is uh, something that came out after the original Cigar Vault. And that one was about 50% uh, finished in Matusalem the rest in bourbon. The one that you're holding in your hand right now, the, the Cigar Malt Reserve, you're looking at a marriage of uh, whiskeys that are approximately finished for, it's about 70% Matusalem Oloroso Sherry, that 30-year-old sherry. It's about 20% in bourbon, and the rest is a Cabernet Sauvignon barrel, 10% Cabernet Sauvignon. All wow brought back together and it just it creates a, 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 a whiskey that it that it's just really really lovely especially on the nose you know it's very jammy it's it's got like you know like like you know figs raisins uh, kind of you know tropical notes a little little bit of marmalade like almost like a you know marmalade's an interesting one when you said jammy yeah. i get what you're saying but marmalade yeah. is that, that was that. Even... What's that thing in there? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can smell. You can smell the sweetness, right? I mean, right from the nose, you can smell how sweet this is. I mean, I'm already anticipating that this is going to be a very sweet um, whiskey. Well, when you consider that 70% of the of the whiskey that's in here was finessed in a, in a 30 year old Oloroso sherry cask, that that Oloroso sherry is a mixture of 75% Pedro Jimenez grapes and 25% Palomino Fino. Uh, it, it, as I mentioned, very, very, very sweet. 
and and that sweetness, you know, uh, stays in the barrel, and I think it tra translates onto the the final the final whiskey. Yeah, the sweetness and cigars don't necessarily they like the kind of sweetness that the finish imparts to this really does work well with the cigar. When you think of when I think of sweetness and cigars, I think of, you know of that tone of flavored cigars so much as I am just you know like if, if you smoke a Swisher or something like that that has mm -hmm. that sort of cigar sweetness to it. That's not a flavor you that cigars. But this what's sweetness is completely different. And it works. What's interesting is that the, the, the sweetness is perceived on the nose much more than it is then, on, yes. the, on, on the palate. On the palate. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Ian, yeah. you're pretty quiet. Is that just because you're enjoying or did you have some deeper thoughts? Yeah, ah, see, that works. That works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm enjoying the smell. I'm picking up, uh, picking up the oak. I'm picking up some vanilla. Uh, and I'm just enjoying that that sherry. Like there's right. a, there's a scent that the sherry cast gives it, and you I'm know gonna, we just did that. Yeah. I told you, to, I'm gonna plant something in your head. I I I know it's unfair to do this because you know like the power of suggestion. Um, <laughs> you know, I, before you say that, I want to say tea leaf too. There's a little bit of. Sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So think of. Uh, white milk chocolate, you know, like literally think of a Hershey's yeah. kiss. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely in there, but it's not that it's not that darker uh, chocolate, deeper chocolate. It's more of that lighter, yeah, like like you said, a white chocolate uh, kind of. Yeah, like, like 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 Hershey. Mm -hmm. To me, this the cigar malt. I think of milk chocolate, and you know, when when we talk about the DNA of the Dalmore. Whether you're enjoying a 15, uh, a pour with cigar malt, 18, 12 year old, there's a constant in terms of the, the, the flavor and aroma profiles. And that's going to be chocolate and orange. Always in different. Mm. So, for mm -hmm. example, to me, the 18 year old, is that it's, it's, it's more of that dark chocolate. Uh, right. And, uh, and, 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 you know, toasted, uh, you know, tangerines. Whereas on the 18, I get that white chocolate, those Hershey kisses, and uh, and a little bit of uh, you know uh, orange marmalade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that marmalade thing you got me on that, or more like a dried orange kind of mm -hmm. dried orange fruit sets. kind of thing going on. Are you uh, my mouth it? is totally watering right now. Yeah, have you not tasted it yet, Ian? Because it's I'm, very I'm, unusual for me to be way ahead of you on the tasting. So here, what you want to do is just hold it in your mouth for as long as you can. And then, really, the tasting should come on the second sip. Right. I'll tell you, the, to me, the joy of this is in the finish. That finish is just wonderful. Yeah, it is. A so first off. Lovely, long chocolate time. bomb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The finish, the orange or marmalade that you're talking about is really, really uh, evident on the finish. Yes, sir. 
the oak uh, astringency kind of happens on the tongue after you swallow. Yeah. And you pick it up a bit in the retrohale as well. It's really, really nice. There's a little bit of that char, that uh, vanilla and char right there on the very end of it, too. And then right about now, if you noticed how long it's been since I took a sip, you get that whiskey hug coming back. It takes mm-hmm. a long time for it to even come back. Right. It's, right. A, it's a long finish, and I think that, you know, in, in, the, in the design of the whiskey, uh, it was, you know, something that Richard surely considered uh, as, you know, to, to, to you know, be a, a, a whiskey that can stand up to, to a cigar. So, Christian, the um, the original cigar malt mm-hmm. came out, and then did it, did it just sell completely out? And and because I, I know it was gone for a while before uh-huh. the cigar malt reserve came onto the market. Uh, what was the reason for it going away in the first place? Was, was it just gone? No, I'll I'll tell you. It's actually an an, uh, an interesting story. Uh, uh, there was actually a bit of controversy behind it uh, wow. because uh, there was this uh, this perception that we were somehow promoting smoking, uh, which you know, in, uh, you know, funny enough, these were probably much less politically correct times, but there was that perception. So, so then the Grand Reserva came out without the word cigar, but it was a very similar recipe, but. You know, to the to the old cigar malt smoker, I mean drinker. I'm sorry. Um, you know, that was the thing that that they could go to then. But you know, similar recipe, but not exactly the same. Uh, and 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 then, you know, there was so much uh, uh, desire for for the these cigar malt that at the end, you know, uh, we decided, you know what, we're we're bringing it back and uh, as the cigar malt reserve. But this time, with that added touch of the whiskeys uh, that spent a bit of time in those uh, Cabernet Sauvignon barrels, uh, the other the other so two is, versions of this did not touch Cabernet Sauvignon. So, so I used a, to buy the Sauvignon. the one that was labeled cigar malt, and that one came in at sixty or seventy when I was buying it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I enjoyed it, and then it was gone for a while, and I didn't know that the reserve kind of took its place. I had no idea. Uh, so I've just been sad for a while, and then when Cigar Malt came back out again, when did this uh, hit the shelves, uh, this particular iteration? Uh, this particular one, I am going to take a stab and say that sometime in the mid 2000s i'm gonna land yeah. it somewhere in the in the you know 2012 ish 20 uh, right around right and this one comes in at a much higher price point than the last one so i didn't know what was different about it at all and this is the first time i've actually tasted this one i also want to point out on the tasting notes on this the very tip like the very first burst of flavor on this hits you with a little butter as well and almost mm-hmm. a little bit of brown sugar kind of flavor as well that uh, that I really enjoy. There's that sweetness right there at the, at the very beginning. And that butteriness might be that the oiliness in the uh, whiskey that just kind of like, it as you drink it, it kind of sneaks it across your palate and just real. that's, I think, part of the long finish as well that, that really it, it's, it gets really involved in your palate before you, before you finish your sip. 
It is wonderfully complex. Christian, the, um, is it that Cabernet uh, uh, finish whiskey that's added to this that was not in the original? Is, is that an expensive thing? Is that one of the reasons why the price point is higher? On this visit, an, or was it, or was it just the fact that they knew they had a good thing, and and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, uh, if they know they have a good thing and they know that it would handle a higher price point. I th I think that there's a, a couple of answers to that uh, that that question. First of all, uh, Richard loves loves to experiment, and and and, and Richard really loves barrels, casks. Right. You know, mm -hmm. when 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 the distillery brings in uh, casks, <coughs> Richard travels to the wineries to whether it be you know France uh, uh, in in the case of the barrels that are used for 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 cigar malt. These are you know Grand Cru uh, uh, first growth uh, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon barrels from Bordeaux. Uh, that I I can actually tell you. I don't know if you guys are wine drinkers, but the, the winery is Haute uh, Mabuset. Uh, it's a it's a left bank uh, winery. They make uh, superb, superb wines. In any case, so but he also you know uh, likes to experiment, and I'm sure that the, that as he had developed or began to develop the original cigar malt, he started to probably play around with some of those wine barrels. And when it came time to release this, he was he had been probably you know experimenting with okay, what happens when we we do uh, ex bourbon, when we do uh, ex uh, oloroso, and now uh, cabernet sauvignon as well. And and at the end of the day, I'm sure that after you know s s several uh, experiments on, on the different ratios, he he ended up at what we today call the the, the cigar malt reserve. So it's, uh, I just added three drops of water, mine, mm -hmm. and the water brings out the fruitier flavors. It uh, it it brings out almost a graham cracker kind of thing going on mm. in the aftertaste as well. That's really really nice. Interesting, interesting. Ian, I realize it's a tough question to ask you to compare this to something that you drank. 10 years ago. Uh, but to the best of your recollection, how does this compare with the original Saddam? To the best of my recollection, I remember, so um, the Cigar Malt original that I had, I liked a lot because at that point in time, I was really starting to experiment with whiskey and cigars. And of course, you see something on the shelf that's called Cigar Malt, and you go, well, no brainer, right? Right. Um, so I remember that one, um, not being quite as complex as this, um, and also not being quite as, um, refined overall. I remember it having a little more bite to it in the, uh, on the alcohol side, on the, uh, heat. I remember, um, I remember, however, that it went really well with cigars and especially cigars on the lighter side. Not due to the fact that it can't stand up to a uh, couldn't stand up to a heavier cigar, but that it really complemented the flavors on the lighter cigars. And at that well, point in time, when I was drinking that, Gurkha was still making cigars that didn't fall apart. And so I remember a lot of their line, like their Beast and their Beauty, both went well with it because I had a bunch of those at the time, and uh, and some Greycliffs as well. 
that's uh, I, I probably went through two or three bottles of that before I couldn't find it anymore. Uh, so I think I was a little late on finding it, but that's that's what I would say. I'd say this is amazing, though. This is absolutely fantastic. Christian, you mentioned that your distiller um, particularly likes Davidoff's. Davidoff is a really well crafted, but definitely on the lighter side. Yeah. Cigar. So I can medium I can at most. And I will just mention that this uh, Cohiba, uh, that was my gift from Ian, um, it, it's definitely on the lighter side. I put it on the lighter side of medium. And uh, it is, I mean, it's working beautifully uh, with the cigar malt. I also brought, and I may switch up just for the experiment, I also brought, and I've, I've talked about this cigar before, but this is a much more full-bodied cigar, the uh, Romeo and Julieta crafted by A.J. Fernandez a Nicaraguan uh, tobacco cigar. And I may have to light that one up and try it while we're still enjoying this just to, you know, just to get how, how the uh, cigar malt reserve works with a, with a fuller bodied cigar. I, I enjoy the, 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 the cigar malt uh, with, you know, medium uh, uh, cigars. You know, I would say that my go-to would be a Monte Cristo number two. Very nice. (laughs) You know, I have one in my humidor. I almost grabbed it, but I grabbed um, instead as my backup cigar. I grabbed a uh, Ramon Alones mm-hmm. as my backup to see how that would go with a with a Cuban. Ian, I get the impression you uh, both in your beer selection and your uh, cigar selection that you're beginning to work through some of your special occasion stuff during quarantine. I am. I'm going to have to re-up a little bit. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, Christian, I haven't been out. I've been I've been cloistered at my house. <laughs> Chris, I wanted to ask you the question. The cigar malt comes in at, uh, at 44 uh, proof. Is there, yep. a, is there a specific reason that that wound up being the number? Most overproofed whiskeys will go higher than that. And most of the ones in my experience that are not more overproof usually try to shoot for that 40. So I found it interesting that this is 44. Is there a, is there a specific reason that that was the number that worked in terms of the proof? That's a, that's a, a question that comes up often. Um, you know, Scotch whiskey, in order to be Scotch whiskey, must come in at a, at a very minimum of forty percent. So forty percent is the, the the sort of the bar, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and then we can start ranging up from there up to obviously cast strength. Uh, the, what I've heard from Richard is that you know he experimented with different you know with higher proof. Maybe lower proof, you know, and, and and the true and honest answer is that at, at 44% was that sweet spot where, you know, the, the, the whiskey did not overtake the, the cigar, but it also did not allow the cigar to overtake the whiskey. It's, it's about keeping that balance. Right. Right. Well, it, it, he totally nailed it. I can totally nailed it. I find myself gravitated, gravitating to overproof cigars and or overproof uh, whiskeys in general, just because I feel if I want to lower the proof, I can do that with my little dropper bottle here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, 
since you guys are talking about uh, you know o, 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 you know higher proof uh, whiskey, uh, I think I'm going to you know graduate to to your favorite one, the the Portwood Reserve. Yes. Uh, you know this one uh, comes in at 46.5 ABV. So this is from what we call the principal collection at Dalmore, which is whiskeys from, uh, you know, the 12, the 15, 18, Cigar Malt, Portwood Reserve, uh, King Alexander, and then topping out with the Dalmore 25. This is the one that is the, the highest proof. Um, and uh, I understand that you, you mentioned earlier that you, you, you tried it uh, not long ago and, and, and you enjoyed it, right? Well, yes, this is the one that uh, we, I've actually had a bottle in my bar for quite some time and broke it back out again as a part of the show that we did two weeks ago uh, where we were just talking about different cast finishes. And like I said, Ian was doing some sher uh, some cherry cast stuff and I did three whiskeys that were uh, port cast. And uh, right. that was when I was reminded uh, of how much I loved that particular uh, expression. The, the, the Portwood is really a, a great example of, uh, you know, Richard Patterson's dedication to, to cask finish. And, and, and honestly, what Richard is doing is simply continuing what, what is a, tr a tradition at, uh, at the Dalmore. You have to understand that the Dalmore, they have been finessing or finishing uh, whiskey in, uh, in, in multiple barrels, what we call multi-barrel maturation since the inception of the distillery. What today is something very trendy is something that the Mackenzie family did from the beginning. They were really, really ahead of their time. So Richard continues that tradition. And, and, and uh, the importance of the cask is uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. He sources the barrels for Portwood Reserve just as he pays a lot of attention where the Oloroso sherries come from, from places like Gonzalez Villas, this one's come from Grams. Uh, and we're actually, I don't know if you guys are big port drinkers, but the specific barrel is the Tawny Port 10-year-old from Grams. Uh, these are barrels that are incredibly, port. incredibly hard to get a hold of. But because we have been doing it for so long, the distillery has built up these relationships to where they're able to literally pry barrels that when they come to the distillery can be upwards of 100 years old. Now, the beauty of dealing wow. with a place like Graham's is that, you know, wow. they, we, we, we have the papers on that barrel. We know everything that that barrel has gone through. What, you know, uh, if it was repaired, if, there was, if, 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 if uh, a stave was uh, changed, anything that happened, we get what, you know, you could call it the barrel facts. You know, like you got a, a car fax. <laughs> right. Is, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the That's great. That's great. Well, it is, it is a really fine, uh, really fine whiskey. It's got a wonderful complexity to it, uh, but it is also not. Um, it's not as as you might think. In other words, someone who's a, uh, a, a more of a novice in in whiskey or scotch, I think, can try it and appreciate it. It doesn't. It doesn't require, you know, uh, our friend Chris Hart level of. Uh, of you know, understanding of, of whiskey uh, to to enjoy it. It's just a really delicious and kind of a flavor forward um, uh, finish. It's it's really wonderful. <coughs> um, 
Ian, I, I see you're still working on that. Um, any any further thoughts as you've delivered that a little I bit? I can't more? stop drinking it. Well, so I, I have to tell you, I'm really looking forward to trying my barley wine uh, with this to see what those two flavors do uh, with each other. Because this has, like, once I put, uh, I, and I literally put three drops of water in here, and it's amazing how much that can change the taste. Um, and I always enjoy the experience. So, you know, those of you out there who, uh, there are people out there that cringe about putting water in whiskey. Well, you know, try it. It changes the flavor and not in any kind of bad way. Uh, this, this is, is turning the chocolatiness is smoother. The, um, I, I don't know that I like it better, but I like it different. And the, uh, the, the the dark fruit comes out a lot more on the back end on the on the finish on this one uh, when adding a little bit of that. Um, so um, we're only going to lose. The, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you lose a little bit of the butteriness that you had right up front on it before, but you end up gaining different things in it, and the uh, and the and the the raisin slash date flavor that was kind of lurking in the background comes up a little bit. Um, and, and, and gives it kind of this dark sweetness on the finish that I think, and it has, again, I mentioned earlier, a little bit of brown sugar. It has a little bit of that kind of aftertaste to it that I'm really enjoying with the cigar, um, tremendously. It's added, uh, it's added a, a third dimension to my cigar and the cigar, I think adds a dimension to the whiskey. It's a really nice interchange between the two. And I think that's brilliant. Ian, we've, uh, we're only going to have uh, Christian for a few more moments here because he's got another uh, appointment. Um, so why don't you go ahead and open up that barley wine? Might not be the order we were going to do it in, but uh, I'm curious uh, myself. Uh, and that's a that's just a wonderful, wonderful bottle. So I'm, I'm really curious. And what I may do is reach for this pecan porter. And, uh, and let's see what uh, bringing... Those into the mix do for our those yeah those darker flavors like that I think are really going to light up because it's interesting a, a lot of times how uh, how those things blend with um, with whiskeys as well and I really since I knew we were doing a cigar malt I did pick this bottle particularly to see how well it went with. You know, very, very appropriate to, uh, you know, bar barley wine is, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's scotch whiskey before it becomes scotch whiskey. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that might be one of the reasons I like it so much. Oh, I don't think there's any might about it, Ian. I think that... The mash bill, the mash bill is awful similar, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, for sing for single malt scotch, you're you're looking at a at a mash bill that is 100% uh, uh, fermented barley. So that's that's what you have there. So uh, this one right away is is very. It's not totally black. There's a little bit of. It's not totally black. It's mostly just dark, dark, dark brown. It's got some carbonation to it. Oh. Immediately smell that barley wine, date, and raisin right off the back end of it. Some vanilla. I'm just thinking that was made to go with this whiskey. Yeah, 
This barley wine's a little more bitter than what I usually like, but it really, really hit my palate on that first sip. Now, keep in mind, my palate has cigar and uh, and whiskey on it immediately, so it might be the sweetness from the uh, from the uh, whiskey as well making that uh, a little bitter. But bitter in a coffee or a very dark chocolate kind of way. Yeah, I think that was the... Uh, I think that was my previous palate messing with that. It's got it's got a lot of it's got a lot more coffee um, flavors than I'm used to getting in a uh, in a barley wine. So this is a little more of an Americanized barley wine, I believe, uh, because it also has a lot more hop on the finish than I was expecting. But which I usually don't like as much. But this is actually quite good. Well, a lot of it could have to do with the combination of things. I mean, I haven't gone to the porta yet, but I would just say I had another sip of the uh, cigar malt and back to this and I just, it's just amazing the flavor enhancement of the cigar once you've got a really nice amount of that on your palate it's, uh, it's got it just seems so much more nuanced uh, there's so much more there that I'm picking up on um definitely some wood and toast and uh, some some nuttiness that I don't know if I noticed when I was smoking the cigar before I started uh, drinking the cigar. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, all, all three of those together. How they work. I love that you said nuttiness because when I went from the barley wine back to the whiskey, I pick up almost a little bit of as weird as this may sound, peanut butter uh, on the finish. Oh. Finish or the cigar? Well, on the finish of the whiskey after the barley wine. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's interesting how that's interacting. But then again, I'm going to try a full strength uh, now and see what happens. While you do that, I just want to show this to the camera. The wonderful and beautiful color of that 5-1-2 quarter. It is almost jet black, but the little ring of, um, of suds around the top is very almost a light brown and it's just a, that's a beautiful color combination let me show you that there as best as I can so um, and going course, back to the full beer. strength here while you're taking a sip going back to the full strength cigar malt here that barley wine brings out the orange big time mm. uh, you taste a lot of that orange that I wasn't getting as much of at the beginning but it's really prevalent now in a wonderful way Love it. Wow. Um, have you guys ever tried... I'm uh, kidding. Have you ever tried that one? Um, uh, trying to see it a little closer there. Pull it, pull it over in front of your face, Christian. I only see half of the uh, thing. Oh, wow. I have that. I, I, I highly recommend that uh, when, you, when you can and get a chance... To uh, pick up a bottle of uh, the Damor 15. It's actually one of my favorite ones out of the entire uh, principal line. Uh, it, and it's uh, uh, whiskey finished in three different uh, sherry casks. Two 30-year-old casks. So you have two two of them are 30-year-old sherries, uh, Matusalem and Apostolis, and then a younger 15-year-old Amoroso sherry. So And then all brought back together. It is a really really lovely just uh, easy to drink whiskey 
uh, with, uh, with with nice soft notes. You know, it's so it, really, really your entire line is really just all about these multiple finishes, isn't it? Correct. There, there, there isn't a, a, a single bottle that just goes from you know former bourbon to the bottle. There's uh, everything. Everything is uh, has a, a, a long maturation in former bourbon barrels, but then the finishes get in, get interesting. Now, uh, do all of the Dalmores start with the same distillate, and then the finishes and the length of the finishes, and that's the difference? Or is there a different mash bill for different uh, versions, different iterations? No, it's all the same. So we 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 make uh, we have uh, eight stills. Uh, four wash stills, four spirit stills. They all—they're uh, all of different sizes too, which is very interesting. It's—it's it's, it's not very common in in, in the in the you know in a, to have a distillery with different shape and sizes for their stills, and and it, it makes a very very unique uh, new make. As a matter of fact, next time I see you guys in person, uh, I'm gonna uh, make make sure to let you try some of the new make because it, it's actually quite pleasant to 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 drink. Nice. Uh, so to most to answer your question, one one new make that then becomes all the whiskeys. So most distilleries center around uh, a specific type of still that they use, and that's where everything starts. Are you saying that you have different types of still, and then depending on what you want to create, you use the same mash bill, the same new make as you call it, and then put it through different stills for different effect? Nope, we, we, we make only one new make. It's always the same. And then that new make goes into the, the different barrels. So the, the, the finishing process, are, right. The, the, the first barrels that all the, the, the new spirit will, will meet will be former bourbon. It'll, it'll spend at, at a minimum three, you know, by law, Scotch whiskey has to spend a minimum of three years in a barrel in order to be whiskey so right. everything goes into former bourbon barrels first and then the magic starts where you know we can start diverting some into you know cabernet sauvignon barrels you know oloroso barrels uh, port barrels we 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 uh we we, we use uh marsala barrels uh, as well which is quite unusual uh when you, know, you when you do a tour at the uh, distillery christian do you get an opportunity to taste what the whiskey is like after it's just had the three-year rest in the bourbon barrel and before it goes on? It would be, just be so interesting to me to be able to compare that that flavor with what happens once you start this, as you put as you put it, the magic uh, of you the know, magic. A distillery tour is always interesting, and this doesn't apply just to Dalmore, uh, you know, because it's so much about you know. Who happens to be there when you're there? If, uh, if 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 you know if if you happen to be visiting the distillery on a on a day that uh, you know Richard Patterson happens to be around, you know he loves to show off all his, all his whiskeys. You know, so so you may get a chance like that. Uh, more often than not, you will get to try the 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 the, the finished whiskeys. Um, I will just mention that. Because uh, I haven't talked about this too much, in going from the pecan quarter, the five one two, back to the uh, cigar malt, I had thought that the the beer would bring out some of the darker flavors, and instead it actually does the opposite. It brings out some of the lighter 
and sweeter and milk chocolate uh, type uh, flavors. Very interesting. I, I love it, but it was not what I was expecting when I put the two together. So I went from the whiskey, if you remember, I poured myself a second glass. Um, strictly, strictly for uh, research purposes, of course. Okay. Uh, I poured myself a second glass and uh, have been drinking it full strength. And what's interesting is when I go back to my barley wine, it makes the barley wine, first off, it, it's much more coffee flavored. That's what I was picking up first. But also there's like hints of apple in it now that I wasn't picking up at all before. Like, yeah. And I don't know that I've ever said hints of apple when I tasted a barley wine before, ever. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a new one, I'm pretty sure. Um Christian, I'm, I'm watching the clock here, and I know that you have got to uh, disengage so you can go on to um, a couple of other things. So I just wanted to uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the show today, talking about the Dalmore uh, with us. And please let Richard know uh, we're giving a big thumbs up to the Cigar Mall because I'm sure he's waiting breathlessly. Big fan. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, I mean, we're, you know, we try a lot of different things on the show. And one of the things that we love to do is to talk about how these will interact with cigars. So cigars are a huge part of the show as well. And the, mm -hmm. uh, the answer uh, in this case is it, 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 just as it was intended to, uh, this, this Brilliant. whiskey is made uh, for sharing a cigar and, and a glass of this at the same time. So thank and you for doing I, this. I know you got to go. So just in, in the efforts of trying to make your life a little faster and easier, you can sweep everything on your table into a box and I'll just send you an address. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you, are, you are too kind. Thank you so much. Yeah, he, he <laughs> that way it's, it's, that. it's two steps and you're done, right? Sweep yeah, it into yeah. a box. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to say thank you for for having me guys uh you know it, I, I we 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 met uh, at uh, at houston whiskey social i heard from uh, one of your people i think it was it was maybe a few days after that mary contacted me mm -hmm. this has been on the on on, uh, on on my books for a while and uh and i was afraid that it, it wasn't going to happen and i was so glad when when uh, when you know you guys reached out, and it's like no, we're doing it on Skype now. So, yeah. so. well, we do uh, we do intend to be back in the studio hopefully in a couple of weeks. So uh, let's get another date on the calendar. We didn't get to talk about Jura at all today. Uh, we'll ho in, hopefully get to talk about Jura in uh, in 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 person. And next time I'm in yeah. Houston, I'm I'm gonna look you guys up. All right, awesome. Fantastic. We will look forward to it, Christian. Thank you so much, and uh, uh, we appreciate you. Uh, very much for being on the show and cheers to you my friend Sanja, thank you cheers now ian if if you want to hang on for a few moments there's a couple of things i definitely want to do uh, one is i think we should taste our other beer while we're in this uh while we're in this vibe and then we've started this new uh feature on the show uh that is what we call the uh the drinking uh, story and a drinking story is a story out of the news or something similar to the news but it's something that has been at least reported in the news that may not have anything to do so ian i was saying before the uh, weird skype bounce uh that um we we have this thing that we like to do on the show i, I want to taste those other beers and then we have this thing that we like to do on the show where we uh uh share a drinking story 
something from the news or or that was reported in the previous week that is uh, not necessarily about uh, spirits or beer or cigars, but that's a good story to share while you're drinking. And since we are most definitely drinking, uh, I wanted to share this week's drinking story with you. You share uh, that story. I'm going to do what you did a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to change my second beer because I don't think a double IPA is going to go real well with what I got here. I'm going to grab something else. You, you may be right. So okay, that's okay. I'm still attached. You just can't see me. If you can still hear me, you're going to want to hear this story. Here. I'm hearing you right now. I'm by I'm by my beer fridge. But this story is um, uh, something to do with the coverage on the coronavirus, which we haven't spent too much time talking about here on the show. But this one I thought was important because um, there could be an air of truth to the phrase. Or could there be, the story asks, an air of truth to the phrase silent but deadly when it comes to the spread of the coronavirus and the passing of flatulence? One of the questions that's been uh, that's been making the rounds is, can you catch a coronavirus if someone who, who is infected with it farts nearby? On your pillow? I mean, uh, what? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and so I have the answer to that for you. Uh, what the uh, what the experts are saying is, um, just like their uh, most uh, government agencies are suggesting that you wear a mask when you're in uh, public. That way, if you have uh, any uh, uh, exposure to coronavirus, you're not passing it on to others. Um, they said that basically your pants are your mask when it comes to this question. So. The moral to the story is you should be fine unless you're around someone who is bare-bottomed and farting coronavirus at you. That, that's, the, that's the basic point. All right, hold on. I've got a couple. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple things to say about this. First off, the question is not answered. For one, can you actually get it? from someone passing gas. However, they said your pants are your mask. Does that mean I have to put pants on? Well, yes. If if you're wanting to make sure that you don't because you know you can you can be a carrier for the virus but be asymptomatic, right? So you might not know. And uh, so that's why they're suggesting they say that when you wear the mask in public, that the mask on your face, you're keeping it to yourself. Right. It's more about protecting others than it is about protecting you, right? So in that case, pants would be the same thing. So, yes, Ian, if you want to make sure you're not unwittingly spreading something to others, you may want to wear pants, particularly if you're going to be flatulent while you're in public. I realize this this may put a damper on your normal social activities. Totally cramping my style there. Because I always wear a shirt, but, you know, like, yeah. sometimes a man's just got to be free. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, you, remember, you remember, and I've told you this before, that uh, when um, the company, was, when my uh, business partner, Pat, and I started the company that, that is a part of uh, smoking toasting and a number of other things we do, uh, we had three basic rules. We wanted to uh, do something to enjoy. We wanted to, uh, um, it's getting a little windy up here. We wanted to do something we enjoyed. Uh, we wanted to do something that we could ultimately run from a boat, and we didn't want to have to wear pants. And so, you know, these things figure into this. I'm just going to grab a bottle before it rolls off my uh, balcony here. 
Yeah, because if it rolls off of there, it's got a long way down to go. Yeah, that could hurt. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. Wouldn't you know, I still good. see your shirt, so I can't tell if you're wearing pants. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to point that out. That's, that's by design, uh, actually. And uh, thank you for noticing. <laughs> um, so what did, what did you go and get? You went and got a different beer. What did you go and get? Well, I figured a double IPA after a barley wine and after this yeah, super yeah. delicious insanely malt wonderfulness of scotch. So I went and grabbed something. This is the Ooh, Fruitful Fort. That should be interesting. I don't know if you get a good beat on that way. Looking at the Fruitful Fort from uh, Dogfish Head. Head. Yep, absolutely. Now, I went big, and I decided, you know what? I want something that's very different. So this is ale brewed with boysenberry, raspberry, blackberry, and elderberry. Nice. You can probably guess just from that why it's called Fruitful Fork. It it has uh, it does not have a, a an ABV on the tag here, so I'll have to look that up in a minute. But um, it says ages well, and I've had this one in my refrigerator. Since it first came out, so I think I'm uh, eight months probably sitting in my fridge on this one. Okay. Maybe six, maybe eight months into it. So we're going to try this uh, beautiful thing out and see what happens. Nice. All right. My little... Beer mug here. Beer mugs, yes. Very, very cool. So Dogfish Head, you know, they're just one of those breweries that we feel like they can just about do no wrong, you know? I love Dogfish Head. Uh, I may not love every beer that they have, but I love what they're about. I love what they do, and I love a lot of their beers. And this one, I don't know if you can see the amount of sediment just floating around in this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is... Uh, yeah, it's 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 an orangey brown mm -hmm. or a reddish brown, maybe. Look and it smells of... like raspberry and elderberry. What does an elderberry smell and like? Actually, elder. I don't know, but <laughs> it's raspberry and something. So I'm guessing that's boysenberry or elderberry, since I have no reference on it. I don't smell the blueberry in it at the moment. But blueberry uh, doesn't have a real strong scent on its own anyway, I don't think, mm -hmm. does it? Right, right. And not as strong as some of the other berries, absolutely. Yes, your, your, um, your conclusion, sir? Remember how he said that the uh, cigar malt has a jammy kind of flavor? Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, a preserves or a, a, a... This has a preserves kind of flavor because you can almost taste the, the raspberry seeds. Like a marmalade. And, uh, like, like this? I, no, it's not marmalade. Marmalade is kind of orange-like. This is right. raspberry and and bitter fruits uh, versus, uh, versus sweeter fruits. This is bitter fruits, but it has a sweetness to it that's pretty amazing. The um, the beer I'm going to try here, Ian, while you're enjoying that, and maybe you can go back to the back to the cigar malt now and tell me what you think. Um, this is Carbox, one of Carbox Fun series, which is their. Uh, it's a lighthearted sounding series, but what it's really about is this is their barrel aging series. This is series number eighteen. It is the High Tide 
aged in tequila barrels, high tide pours a hazy gold into the glass with aromas of fresh fruit and the salty ocean air. Take one sip and get lost in the complex blend of flavors of passion fruit and spice. Um, this was aged in tequila barrels, and it is from um, September 18, which I believe uh, came out about a year ago. So uh, it's 7.2%, and so I'm going to try this while you uh, while you go back to a little bit of the... Uh, I want to point out, you know those chocolate-covered orange slices that you get? Yes. When you go from the Fruitful Fort back to the cigar malt, it makes it like one of those chocolate-covered oranges, like more chocolate than orange, but so interesting. Go ahead. I'm listening. I don't know if you got any of that or not. Oh, no, that was beautiful. I was actually grinning because uh, Brian, uh, who he uh, wasn't sure that he was going to be able to make it on. Man, look at the color on that. That is a golden, it's much lighter color than my first beer. Uh, Brian piped in. He finally made it on. Hey, Wiki Brian. Uh, he wasn't sure he was going to make it. I talked to him earlier this week. But uh, he he uh, he mentioned that the Fruitful Fort is 15 to 18%. <laughs> and I didn't even think about looking at a date on here. But the bottle date is, oh, this has been here longer than I thought. 6, 15, 18. So it's been aging for over a year. Mm. Wow. Ian, this is delicious. Um, it reminds me quite a bit of the last Bishop's Barrel from St. Arnold that we tried. Um, the now, hold that up to the camera. Let me look at the color of that. That is so straw, but a little bit cloudy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a little bit red, even. Yes. And it's just, it's, it's refreshing but incredibly complex, showing that the guys there at Carbock can brew a very interesting and complex beer. They can is, still have fun. Yeah, yes, they can. And, and I bet that you may not be able to find this beer or this series, though, outside of Texas, maybe even outside of, of our town here at Houston, because um, I just can't see uh, AB distributing a beer like this. And how so? What's the what's the ABV on that? Seven point six, I believe, is what it said on the bottle. So it's uh, about the same ABV as an IPA, uh, but um, it it's got. It, Ian, you know when you get a, a one of those little cans of apple juice, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Juice? That's a really predominant flavor in this. That. That sort of almost syrupy apple that juice. That concentrated apple yes. juice? Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, let me tell you about that. Because I love apple juice. It's so delicious, but it's instant heartburn for me. Oh, interesting. Now, I, I don't know whether this beer would do that for you or not. But that Probably not. Really it's something about apple juice by itself does that. But, front and center. but I love the flavor. I absolutely love the flavor. And I also, have you ever had sparkling apple juice? Yes, so delicious. Yeah, it's quite good. A very different, uh, a very different experience. Believe it or not, going and I and I didn't know how this would work, but going back from that fun uh, high tide from Carbox, 
to the uh, cigar malt worked a lot better than I was expecting. Well, I haven't. I'm Let's picking see. up. I'm picking up a, a real, a real intense sense of the malt in the uh, in the whiskey. Coming yeah. After the carbon. Very much so. Well, that's what happens coming from this fruitful fort. I mean, you taste the malt, very malt, very chocolatey malt profile. Mm -hmm. And the orange, the orange, it's a, it's that chocolate-covered orange. It's really interesting yeah. how well that goes. It and all everything we've done today goes well with this cigar, which, by the way, I refuse to give up because it's a great little cigar. Yeah, this was that H. Upman Herman's batch. Yes. I was going to light my second one, and as you can see, I never got to it. I'm still... Still How is that, Cohiba? How do you like it, that? It's it, it's very good. I will say, uh, it wound up being a little flaky coming out of the tube, and the um, the wrapper um, has shown a number of cracks, but none of that has gotten in the way of the smoking of it. Uh, it it stayed, you know, like a nice even burn, and it has smoked beautifully. It is definitely on the milder side of medium, but it has worked perfectly. With everything we've done here. And I don't know if that's because it does or because the Dalmore cigar malt just pulls everything together. If well, so, that's almost even more impressive in a way, you know? So he mentioned that um, that the distiller from uh, Dalmore really enjoys, like, the Davidoffs, right? Mm -hmm. Which right, right. generally don't get bigger than, say, uh, a medium or even a medium minus. Other than um, maybe... One or two in their line will, you know, jump in. Right, right. And of most of them are definitely in the mild or mild plus. But what I found with Cohibas and uh, a lot of their line is they tend to be in that range. And even though they're lighter than what I would generally smoke, uh, the Red Dot series and everything else, uh, I find that their flavor complexity usually makes up for that. And it goes well with with a lot of beers and a lot of uh, right. whiskeys that I've tried. Right, right. I'm betting I could smoke this with an IPA, uh, something that was a little hoppier that usually gets in the way of uh, some of the more medium to fulls that I like, and it would it would work a little better. But uh, those flavors would work around a little nice, nice. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Ian, I want to go over one more thing um, uh, before we wrap up the show, and thanks again to. Uh, Christian for being on from the Dalmore. He was a yeah. He was uh, awesome, wasn't he? Uh, newest whiskey. He was uh, he was just wonderful. Uh, Ian, I watched a movie. Do you have Amazon Prime? I do. Okay, so I want to I want to challenge you to watch this movie. I watched it with my wife, and uh, it was it was one of those things where she had to keep calming me down during the movie because it was a <laughs> documentary film that turned out to be different. Than what I was expecting it to be, but um, I'm I'm really glad that I watched it, even though it made me crazy while I was watching it. And it's called Beer Cans, and and there's a number of documentaries by the and way. It's called Beer Cans. Beer Kings. Oh, Beer Kings. Beer Kings. Yes. So there's a number of documentaries on, um, and and different shows and stuff on Amazon Prime, by the way, about. Uh, beer, craft beer. There's a number about whiskey. So I've got a whole bunch saved in my, you know, uh, my uh, wish list there on Amazon Prime. And decided to watch this Beer Kings one. It looked like it was about, and it is about, this contest between different brewers around the world to see who can 
come in first in the contest. So I thought, well, this will be interesting seeing the different things they do to try to compete. Here's what I didn't know until I began watching. It is a contest, and it is different brewers around the world, but it's all brewers of Budweiser from around the world. What? I didn't, I didn't it, it, The contest is actually held inside AB InBev. From I don't even understand what the con. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's slow down, Turbo. <laughs> I don't even understand what the contest is. Then they're all brewing the exact same beer, and they're trying to see which one brews the exact same beer. Yes, and that's what made me. Quit. And it's all Budweiser. It's all Budweiser, and to win the contest isn't about brewing the best beer. It's about brewing. The Budweiser that is closest to, and, and you're talking about infinitesimally small differences in flavor, the, that is closest to the Budweiser thing. And you've got these brewmasters, and they're just sweating it. They're sweating where they are on the overall thing because they do tastings once a month. And at the end of the year, they crown the beer king for that. But it's not about... Can you make a better? It's about can you make the most consistent beer? Can you make the beer that is most like? And I just it made me crazy because I thought here you've got all these people and and Ian, there's no doubt in my mind that these brewmasters are incredibly talented because the that's like to jump. that's like saying that's like saying who can make the best Pizza Hut pizza. That's like, exactly right. It's that like, doesn't even like, make sense to me. It's like it's like saying. Who can make the best Big Mac? Not the best Big Mac, but the ah. Big Mac that is the most consistent. The most Big Mac, Big Mac. The most so, uh, Brian posted up here, King of Beers, or Kings of Beer, a never-before-seen look at the rigorous standards and intense competition that characterizes the brewing of the world's most iconic lager, Budweiser. My cat is digging in her claws and will not let me yeah. get her off my lap. She has taken over the show. Well, so I just wanted to say, I really want you to watch this. It'll be a little painful, but it, the perspective that it gave you on what the mindset is of these uh, of these uh, brewers of Budweiser. Brewers of Budweiser. Yeah, it it, it was fascinating, but. But my wife had to keep calming me down. I'm like, but but this isn't even about brewing the best beer. Like, had this been a contest between, I don't know, uh, let's just say it had been Dogfish Head, you know, and and they had different uh, brewers in their facility competing. It wouldn't have been about who could make the most Dogfish Heady Dogfish Head. It would have been about who could make the best beer. Like, who could come up? They'd have said, okay, this category is lagers. Who could brew the best lager? Man, this wasn't about you know who makes a better Budweiser than Budweiser? I want you to go back to, what was it, last week or the week before where I put the uh, 11 Below Little Snack? Yes. Man, that beer is outstanding. That's what, that's what I think, like, that's what I think that, like, the classic... And that was a Pilsner or a Lager? I can't remember which one, but it's the classic. I think it was a Lager. And so good. Yeah, it's a Lager. And, and it's so good at what it is. And it's so delicious and so full of flavor. Yet, 
if you took a Budweiser drinker and had them try that, I think that they would go, wow, it's like this, but with flavor. Right. But, Ian, if that beer had been entered into this Budweiser internal contest, it would have ranked dead last. Well, you said it. It's an internal contest. Right. Right. Like, who cares if you can brew Budweiser as good as Budweiser? Well, and it, what it tells us at, at the heart of the story is that at ABN Dev, the, the holy grail is not the best beer. The holy grail is consistency. They want anyone who opens a Budweiser anywhere in the world, no matter what Budweiser brewery it was brewed in, they want it to taste exactly the same. And the the brewmasters even talk about, you know, going out to bars and stuff and they would, you know, they would order a Budweiser and it would arrive and they'd be making mental tasting notes of, oh, this one's... I want to you know, point out more that their mentality is about two decades to three decades too late because the truth of the matter is there was a time from the 60s to the 80s where everything became homogenized. Yes, you can get the same thing everywhere you go. You can go to the grocery store and you can get this same thing everywhere you go. You can go get TGI Fridays out of the frozen section and have TGA Fridays exactly like it is at your house, blah, 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 whatever. You, you insert whatever it is here, right? Mm -hmm. um, and everything was homogenized. You can get the same thing. But then... Craft beers started taking off because people wanted to taste other things because they're tired of the right. same old thing. Right. Well, you know, and I think that that whole contest is a beautiful and sad thing because it, it very much, very much says, hey, you guys, and they're sweating there. Can you imagine what their work situation is? If they're sweating about that, can you imagine what their work situation is? If someone at that brewery accidentally makes a good beer, it's going to get tossed. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And, and like, that's, that's amazing. If they accidentally make a good beer, it's out the door. You don't get to keep it. It's what kept making me crazy when I was watching it. Honestly, it was, and you'll be crazy too, but I want you to Are you going to make me watch this? So you can share in the crazy with me. I have to. Well, okay, gotcha. And, and I'll just say, by the way, since we're ragging on AB InBev, AB InBev's Carbox, you have made a fantastic, fantastic beer. Cheers to you for the uh, fun series number 18, The High Tide. This is a wonderful and amazing beer. And I will now be back out looking for more of this. I don't know. I bought this a while ago, so I don't know if there's any more of this out there. But I, I, I want more. It's wonderful. Nice. Mm -hmm. Well, Ian, this has been a fun show. Now, you had an idea, and I think we're going to do this next week. You had an idea for a show where we would do a little uh, taste testing and comparison for malt liquor. Are you up for that for next week? I right, let's do it. Okay. You got to know bad to know good. So let's do let's do malt liquor taste test. All right. So you will be responsible for procuring the malt liquor, and, uh, <laughs> and this should be fun. And so, uh, so we'll do that next week. That'll be a lot of fun. And then, um, if all goes according to plan, two weeks from today, you and I will make our 
uh, our re-debut in the Smoking and Toasting studio. So I'm All right. excited about that. So I'm looking forward uh, to that. Thanks again to Christian Olave from um, the Dalmore. Uh, and I got to tell you, I hope you've got some of the cigar malt left because I don't know how good I'm going to be about sharing what I have left. I got it right okay. here, buddy. Uh, I, hope, I hope you have some left in the decanter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a little bit left. All right. Well, very good. Well, Ian, my friend, uh, it's always fun doing this with you. I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks from now when we can, you know, share our, our beers and stuff with each other. Uh, and that'll be that'll be fun as well. So, Virtual clink, sir. Day, my friend. Thanks to everybody. Clink. Oh, clink. Thanks to everybody for watching the show. And cheers. Thanks, Adam, on the wheels of steel. Thank <laughs> you.